you may not know this, but the Gospel of Matthew and Mark was written about 50 A.D. Just hang with me for a minute. About 50 A.D. And Luke was written about 60 A.D. And the Gospel of John, the one we've been studying, was written about 80 to 90 A.D., much later than the other Gospels. So what John does is he fills in a lot of the blanks that maybe the other synoptic Gospels did not fill in. So he doesn't go over, because where were they taking him last week from Annas' house? Does anybody remember? Caiaphas, thank you. They were taking him to Caiaphas' house, which was his son-in-law. But John doesn't talk about that. So what I want to do, if you just look up here for a minute, I just want to fill in that gap so we have a nice flowing uh, historical event here unfolding. And you can read along up here, and then we'll get into, into the Gospel of John. But it says, Now the, the chief priests and the whole council were seeking testimony against Jesus to put him to death. But they found some. Thank you. They found none. For many bore false witnesses against him, but their testimonies did not agree. And some stood up and bore false witnesses against him, saying, We heard him say, I will destroy this temple that it that is made with hands, and in three days I will build another not made with hands. Yet even about this, their testimony did not agree. And the high priest stood up in the midst and asked Jesus, Have you no answer to make? What is it that these men testify against you? But he remained silent and made no answer. Again the high priest asked him, Are you the Christ? the Son of the Blessed, which is the Son of God. And Jesus said, I am. And you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming with the clouds of heaven. And the high priest tore their garments and said, What further witness do we need? We have heard his blasphemy. What is your decision? And they all condemned him as deserving death. So that's the part that John doesn't record. I want you to remember one thing from that. What is the crime they finally convicted him of? Blasphemy. Blasphemy. Remember that as we get into the text for today. So in your your handout today, we're going to talk about three areas here called the legalists, the liars, and the Lord. I love that title. I'm sorry. But uh, first we'll start off with the legalists. So we see here that... Then they led Jesus from the house of Caiaphas. They just had ruled that he was guilty of blasphemy, and they all voted that he should be killed. It was early morning. Now, what I want you to see here, it's going to be important as we go through this this morning, is that this whole thing was a mass, what they believed a master plan of these religious leaders. I mean, they came and arrested him at night, right, in the garden. They took him to Annas' house. It was still dark out and cold as they stood around that coal fire, they brought him over to Caiaphas' house. There was actually two trials at Caiaphas' house. They kind of made a preliminary ruling, but it was still they had to wait for the sun to come up before they could condemn him to death. As soon as the sun rose, they quickly ruled, which I just read to you. They ruled him and said he should be condemned for death. And then they rushed him over to Pontius Pilate's house so they could have a civil ruling to kill Jesus. So what they're really trying to do, beloved, is they're trying to get all this done before anybody wakes up. Right, Because all of Jerusalem is sleeping. It's the Passover week. They're trying to get all this done before anybody gets up, get it ruled, get Jesus on the cross, so they get no pushback. Very early in the morning. Now, where, is this, uh, where were they meeting? Some of you like to see this stuff, some of you don't. But really, 
uh, some people think was here in Herod's palace is where Pontius Pilate would rule, but I think the most probable place is this fortress right here where the Roman soldiers stayed during Passover. So they're probably in this fortress right outside the Temple Mount, and there's a courtyard out here where they were meeting and uh, ruling uh, for Jesus. So you got that in your mind? Okay. So look, let's look at this. The legalists. Isn't it amazing that the religious leaders would not enter Pilate's palace? Do you see that? They would not enter his palace because they did not want to defile themselves so they could eat the Passover feast. I mean, beloved, think about this. They had no problem. They had a peace with breaking the law and arresting Jesus illegally. They had peace with interrogating him with no case and no defense. They had peace with striking him in the face. They had peace with manipulating false witnesses and bribing false witnesses. And finally, they had peace with killing an innocent man with no testimony, no law broken, and no sin committed. But yet they could not enter Pontius Pilate's house because they did not want to defile themselves. What would, what would be a good word to describe these brothers? Hypocrites, right. I shouldn't call them brothers, should I? Potential brothers. Look at this. Jesus so well taught this. Just look up here for a minute. I just want to show you what Jesus said about these, these men, these men that claim to be the leaders of the body. It says, For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will, what? Never enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, you've got you to remember, beloved, when, when the disciples heard this, they're like, you've got to be kidding me. These are, the, these are the leaders of the church, if you will. These are men that we've seen them praying on the street corners. We've seen them giving to the poor. We, 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 these, these, are, these are the ones we admire. These are the ones we're trying to live up to. And Jesus said, if your righteousness doesn't exceed them, you have no chance of going to heaven. Now Jesus went on to explain it. Just look up here for a minute. I'll show you some things that Jesus said about these religious leaders. In Matthew 6, he said, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that what? They may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they've received the reward. How about this one? And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues, and at the street corners, that they may be what? Seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, and their fasting may be what? Seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. So you see what's going on here is that it's a big show. It's a big show is all it is. There, What Jesus is pointing out is the motivation of their hearts. Their motivations of their heart is to be applauded by men, to be pleasing in men's sight. They wanted everybody to see how religious they were, how faithful they were to God. Yet in their hearts it was full of deceit. That's what Jesus is pointing out there. Legalism. You know, I'll share a testimony of just a great journey God led me on. Um, my, me and my family, but there was a, there, when we got, I'll just give you a little history here. When we got saved, hey Tyler, didn't know you were here. 
But when we got saved, we got saved in a wonderful church. It was balanced in grace and truth. It was one of the best Bible-preaching pastors I've ever had the privilege of sitting under. And it was, a, and it was full of loving, uh, surrendered disciples of Jesus Christ. It was a wonderful season. But that pastor, after 25 years, got called to another church, and a new pastor came in. And slowly over time, he, he ushered in liberalism. Became a very liberal church. Tolerance. He would have been one to say, what is truth? And we saw the destruction of the church. Family after family left. Finally, we got called to leave as well. But it was a, it was a terrible thing to watch this church be destroyed by a lack of truth. That was the first lesson. And then from there, God led us to another wonderful church where we spent a number of years. And this church was balanced in grace and truth when we first got there. And it was a wonderful church, too, full of followers of Jesus Christ, and it was, it was full of grace and truth. And then slowly over time, this church went to legalism, became a very legalistic church. And uh, we watched the destruction of that church as well. And, and God led me through those, those long seasons of pain and suffering for a reason, is because he taught me what the church should be. And see, and I love the way Jim prayed earlier this morning when we had open prayer time, is it's a supernatural organism of God. And, and it takes complete submission to God to live in that balance of grace and truth. You can't do it in your own strength. Because if you start leaning, what happens is, is we start to take over a church, we're going to fall to one side or the other of those equations, and the church will fall apart. But if you live in total submission to God, he was the only one that can keep it in balance of grace and truth. That makes sense? Didn't mean to get into that, but that's where the Spirit led me. Let me tell you what happens to a legalistic church that I experienced. The church begins to get filled with fear and guilt. It's fear and guilt that fills the church. Gossip and jealousy spreads throughout the church. There's a lot of hatred and revenge. Let me tell you what else. The main thing I saw, there was a loss of transparency. Everybody was afraid to admit they were a sinner anymore. Because they were, they were measuring themselves up to these, hip, I'm sorry, these hypocrites who pretended that they were sinless in a lot of ways. So you lost transparency. When you lost transparency, it killed transformation, it killed unity, and eventually it killed the church. That's why it's so important we remain balanced in grace and truth. I am but a sinner. Anybody else? Good, then you're welcome here. Because if we don't realize that we are all on the same journey together, those things will creep into the body of Christ. And the church will fall apart. David said it well in this psalm right here. For you will not delight in sacrifice, or I would give it. You will not be pleased with burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are what? A broken spirit and a broken and contrite heart. Oh God, you will not despise. That's where we have to live, beloved. So here we are with these legalists pretending to be something they're not, killing Jesus, yet not entering the Gentiles' house for fear of being soiled or contaminated by the Gentiles. And now let's go into the liars. Same group of people here. So it says, so Pilate, see, they wouldn't come in, so what did Pilate do? So Pilate went outside to the courtyard to them and said, what accusations do you bring against this man? What he's saying to the, to the, to the Jewish people is court is in order. 
What is your case? And look at what the, what the Jewish leaders say. They answered him, If this man were not doing evil, we would not have delivered him over to you. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? How would that fly in the court of law today? Right? The prosecuting attorney stands up. The judge says, what's your case? He says, hey, if this guy wasn't guilty, we wouldn't be here. Right? No. They're, they're, <laughs> where is your case? But the, the reality is, they were coming there just to get a rubber stamp. Just, hey, you know, we've already, we've already ruled on this. We found this man guilty, deserving death. Give us your rubber stamp. And Pontius Pilate said, no. I've got to hear the case. But what's the problem, beloved? There is no case. There is no case. That's why they're hoping for the rubber stamp. By the way, if, if, he, if, he, if, he, if they brought up blasphemy, that wouldn't be something Pontius Pilate would have been involved in anyway. Because he doesn't deal with the religious problems of the Jewish people. He only dealt with the civil problems. So blasphemy wouldn't have worked. He wouldn't even have ruled on blasphemy. So they have a problem here. And then Pilate retaliates back at them. He says, well, he goes, you know, if that's the way you are, he says, please, Pilate says, take yourselves and judge them by your own law. If you don't have a case, I've got nothing to talk about here. The Jews said to him, it is not law for us to put anyone to death. Now, that is true. By Roman law, they were not supposed to uh, enforce capital punishment, but they still did. We know Stephen got stoned, right? They, they, would, they would occasionally stone people themselves. But, so they're, they're pretending like they're being obedient little Roman citizens, which was not the case for the Jewish people. They were always causing trouble. But here's the issue. Now, hang with me on this. They're doing all this at night. They're trying to get Jesus crucified as quickly as they can because you know what? A lot of people love Jesus. I mean, think about all the people that he healed. They, they had, I mean, come on, just a, just a short time ago, they had the great triumphant entry. Hosanna, here comes the highest, right? So they, he had a lot of followers. A lot of people love Jesus. So the reason they don't want to stone him is because they're worried about their own revolt where they too would be killed by the Jewish people that love Jesus which would be very common in the Jewish people, right? They would take them out and stone them for killing Jesus. So they have this great plan. We'll get the Romans to kill him, and then we'll be innocent of his blood. So that's what they're thinking. That's their scheming, but they're pretending like to be good Roman citizens, and Pilate sees through all that. But here's the key. Look at this next verse. Here we see the sovereignty of God. It says this was to, f- to fulfill the word that Jesus had spoken to show by what kind of death he was going to die. Do you see that? See, Judas thought he was in charge. Annas thought he was in charge. Caiaphas thought he was in charge. Pontius Pilate is soon going to think he's in charge. But Jesus is in charge. This is his plan being unfolded. Now, he, he had said three things before. He, here's, here's the prophecy. No bones could be broken in his body. Well, stoning resulted in broken bones. To be stoned would break bones in their body. The second thing he said is that he would be killed by both Jews and Gentiles. They'd both be involved in his killing. And the third thing is, is he said he'd be raised up, that he'd be crucified. So they all think this is their plan. The, the Jewish high priests think they've got this great scheme in mind. All along, they're following along the sovereignty of God, implementing his plan. 
So the Jewish people are in trouble here because they don't have a case. So what should they do? Lie. That's the only option. Look, at, look up here for a second. Here's, here's the lie they came up with. It comes out of the Gospel of Luke. It says, And they began to accuse him, saying, We found this man misleading our nation and forbidding us to give tribute to Caesar and saying that he himself is Christ a king. From what you know of Jesus, does this sound true? No. Come on. He brought hope to the Jewish people. He brought unity to the Jewish people. The only people he got in, the fate, in their face consistently was the religious leaders. Everybody else, he was unifying, healing physically, healing spiritually, giving the Jewish people hope. So lie number one doesn't hold water. How about this one? You all probably know the verse, forget, forbidding us to give tribute to Caesar. Does anybody remember the, that famous verse? Yeah, give unto Caesar. Right. So he had openly, and they, and they had their leaders there, they had heard him say, no, you pay your taxes to Caesar. You give unto God what is God's. And the third thing, what they're really saying in this last part, is that he is making himself an earthly king. He's a rebel against Rome. Is that what Jesus came to do? No. So all three of these are just plain, uh, bold-faced lies. You know, isn't, don't you find it amazing what the power of selfishness, the power of greed... The power of hatred will do in a man's heart, a woman's heart. It's, it's amazing to me that these men would find themselves in this place. So-called good church people, right? Church leaders doing this. Just lying, bribing, and deceiving. But let, let me ask you this question, beloved. Have you ever been in a desperate situation? Have you ever been trapped in your own sin? Have you, have you been there? So desperate, you felt backed into a corner. Was it not amazing what you would do? Wasn't it amazing the sins you committed? The lies you made? The stealing? The manipulation? How about hurting others? I've been there. We, we look at these guys and we're quick to judge. Right? The finger points to us. It's amazing when we have an idol of whatever that idol is, what we'll do to serve that false god. But praise God. Praise God, I pray for all of us that we've been delivered from that. Through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, through his shed blood on the cross, we have been reconciled with God for those who believe. And then the Spirit of God comes and lives within us, and He gives us the living Word to lead us and guide us so we no longer have to serve the false gods. We can now serve the one and only true God. So we don't have to live like these men lived, or how maybe we should say how we once lived. We have the power to live a victorious life in Jesus Christ. As temptation and trials come, we do not have to give in to those anymore. And we can start living our life for Christ. Everybody good for a little longer? Yeah. All right. I know we got started late. We got all nine. I love Gary. Me and Gary and Ralph and a few of us here. So now we got the third part of the trilogy here. We got the Lord. And I'll, and I'll go through this. It says, So Pilate entered his headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? What he's really saying is, Are you a rebel? Are you an earthly king? Are you something I need to be feared from? 
And look what Jesus says back to him. It says, do you say this of your own accord or did others say it to you because of me? Now what Jesus is really asking him is you're, you're asking me if I'm a king, what kind of king are you talking about? That's what he's asking him. So by asking him, who told you this, or did you come up with this, he's trying to find out what kind of king he's saying. And look what Pilate says. Am I a Jew? Pilate hated the Jews, by the way. I could tell you some unbelievable, horrendous things he did to the Jews. He hated them. He goes, don't, don't, are you calling me a Jew? He said, no, your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you over to me. How devastating that is. You know, maybe you've been betrayed by an enemy, but to be betrayed by your own people, your own high priest who should have known you best. What a devastating statement that Jesus gets hit with here. And he says, then Pilate says, what have you done? And look how Jesus responds. He says, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from this world. You see what Jesus is saying to Pilate? Pilate already had all these reports, beloved. I mean, he's the one that authorized the soldiers to go arrest him in the Garden of Gethsemane. So he knew what was going on. And he knew that Jesus willingly came up and volunteered himself to be bound. He knew that already. He's in charge of the, of the army here. So he's, he's well aware of this. So when Jesus says, if, if I was an earthly king, we would have had a battle in the Garden of Gethsemane. We didn't have a battle. In fact, remember, I made an ear for one of your guys, Right? So you, you know that I am not here about an earthly kingdom, or we would have had a battle. But he proves, it to, he proves it to Pontius Pilate that that's not what he's talking about. But he, but he, and he says, but, I, but the, what I love about this, he says, my kingdom, which means what? He has one. <laughs> he has a kingdom. My kingdom is not of this world. My kingdom is not from this world. But guess what? I am a king. And I have a kingdom. But I'm not a rebel. And then he continues here. Then Pilate said, so you are a king. Jesus answered, basically, yes. You, you say I am and I am. For this purpose I was born and for this purpose I have come into the world. Now this, this is just a wonderful verse because it says I was born, which shows he was totally human. And it also says I have come into the world, which means he's totally di- divine. Fully God and fully man. But look at this. The, the, key, the key teaching here is what? He came to do what? To bear witness to the truth. That's the foundation of his kingdom. To bear witness to the truth. So if, if that's the, the purpose he came, if that is the foundation of his kingdom, what was the problem before Jesus Christ? The world was filled with lies. Controlled by lies. If the truth will set you free, what does it set you free from? The lies. Now, just look with me for a few minutes. I just want to build, just from the Gospel of John. We'll close with this, so just hang in there for a couple minutes. Just from the Gospel of John, we've seen some great teachings about uh, the truth of God. John 1.17 says, For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. See, the, the, the law only revealed our sinfulness and our need of a Savior, right? Amen? 
And the law was only part of the truth. Jesus came to completely reveal the rest of the truth that was not revealed in the original Old Testament. So that's what the law did. But Jesus came in grace and truth. The beautiful balance of grace and truth. If you look at Jesus, if you want to know what grace and truth looks like, look at Jesus. He's perfect balance of grace and truth. Then this verse that we studied already, look at this one. It says, Yet a time is coming and has now come when true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in the truth. For they are the kinds of worshipers the Father seeks. Do you see the difference between the hypocrites, the, the high priests, the religious leaders, and compared to what Jesus is saying to the woman at the well? Beloved, worship's not about a place, it's about a person. It's about a person. It's about, it's about truly falling in love with Jesus and worshiping him for who he is. It's coming to know who Jesus is. That's worship. It's not about a place. It isn't about a bunch of laws and rules. It's about falling in love with the person of Jesus Christ. And that's when you enter into true worship. That's what he's telling the woman at the well. Let's do one more here. Jesus said, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. See, at the, at the moment you surrender your life to Jesus Christ, you begin your march for freedom. It's the beginning of the march for freedom. Amen? I was having some good conversations this morning with some of the brothers in that. Before we, were, before we were followers of Jesus Christ, we were slaves to Satan, right? And we were trapped by the lies of, of the father of lies, right? And we were talking about, Darnell was just sharing with me that he just was at a funeral and was with some of his old buddies. And uh, they, want, they want to talk about the old fun days they had together, right? Those old fun days. And Darnell was saying, you know, they, they want to talk about the times we were laughing, but they don't want to talk about the times we were crying. They don't want to talk about some of the fun they had, but they don't want to talk about how it destroyed their lives. See, because, because when, sin, when the lies come at us, there's, there's promises that the lies make. Let me ask you, beloved, how have those promises worked out in your own lives? Not well, Not well Ed, thank you. Not well for me either. They're deceptive lies that only lead us further and further into the darkness. And see, that's where the truth sets us free. And what's, what's beautiful is I can stand here today, this Sunday, and tell you I am freer this Sunday than I was last Sunday. Because that's what sanctification is. We can give it fancy words, but it's the march of freedom is what sanctification is. Because as we get more and more the truth of God in us, the more and more we realize the lies of the world, and the more and more we're freed from those lies. It's an unbelievable truth. But see, here's the, here's the thing that breaks my heart. I see many Christians that get freed from their cells at salvation, but they stay in the prison. They stay in the prison. They don't even go out to the outside yard. See, because once you get saved, that's the beginning of freedom. But you have to continue to be in the Word of God to be freed up from more and more of the lies of the world. And when you, I'm beloved, I, I, if there was a USB I could plug into you, I would do this. Because this is the greatest truth there is. Is that as you stay with this and walk with this, you get freer and freer. And I'm telling you, the world throws stuff at you. And I'm telling you, I, I'm not making this up. 
it doesn't bother you anymore. It really doesn't bother you. I'm not saying you don't have heartaches and sorrows and troubles and all that. I'm not saying that your life gets to be a rose garden and flowers and candy. I'm just saying that in the sovereignty of God and the truth of God, as you understand this, there is an unbelievable freedom that comes with it. And, and then as the life comes at you, you just rest in the, and trust in God. And you don't move around and blow in the wind. It, it's, it's unbelievable. And, and so my challenge is, I don't know where you are. You might be hanging outside your cell. You might be in the courtyard. Get out of the prison and start walking down that road to freedom. And we get fully free when we get to the promised land. But all that time, you could be getting freer and freer in Jesus Christ as you get more of the truth. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, uh, Heavenly Father, we come before you and we just openly confess that we are sinners in need of you, Jesus, daily. And Father, we pray for this little body, the Oasis Church that you've founded and built, that we get to live a season here of our lives together. We pray, Lord, that this would be a church that would never fall into legalism. It's a church that never would fall into liberalism either. That we'd live in the balance of grace and truth. And Father, I just pray for these beloved brothers and sisters here today. I pray for those that don't know you, that they would begin to be freed by the truth of Jesus Christ. By crying out to him to save them from the lies of the world. And Father, I pray for all the rest of us that are on this march to freedom that we'd be serious about this. We'd be men and women of the word so that we could be men and women of the way. In Jesus' name.